look at the end of your life, what would your life look like if you didn't take this action? Then ask yourself, what would my life look like if I do take this action? And just compare the two. Like, what, what would the journey look like for you if you did take it? What would it look like if you didn't take it? If you're feeling resistance to something, do it. There's always going to be obstacles in life. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, what your situation is, there is going to be obstacles. And turning your back on obstacles isn't going to do anything. Like, you're going to be in the exact same position. So the only way to grow through obstacles is to go through them. That was Troy as a party. And this is the Raw with Ollie McNichol podcast. Ollie McNichol. There we go. Brother, we are live and ready to impact some lives, I reckon. No doubt. Troy, welcome, my man. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Awesome. How are you, man? Fantastic. How are you? Very well. Very well. I'm so pumped for this one, man. Um, Thank you so much for taking the leap to be on this podcast. you having just started your podcast, you would understand the the energy that goes into them and what's required to, yeah, jump on one and devote so much, so much of your expression to it. So, so, so happy that you're here. Thank you for doing this. Um, I don't usually do this, but I'm actually going to start with a question that goes back to the beginning for you, which is rare for the Raw podcast. But who was Troy as a kid? Oh, that's a good question. It's a very, very good question to start off with. Um, Troy as a kid is probably the complete opposite to what Troy is right now. When I was a kid, I was probably the most annoying and loudest kid you'll ever see in your entire life. Like anything that could be destroyed, I would destroy and break high energy, sort of like no care for the world, very independent as well. Like anything someone would ask me to do, I'd do the exact opposite of doing. Um, Yeah, that's probably Troy as a kid in a nutshell. Mm. Very energetic. Yeah, right. Yeah, That is interesting to hear, seeing the, the contrast to now like, you you are the the man of stillness and the man of <laughs> of great of great wisdom and um no doubt i've seen that energetic side as well but how about through how about through school high school pre like diving into the diving into the real personal development that you that you stepped into Hmm. I'd say, yeah, throughout high school, I always saw myself as like an odd person out, as in I didn't exactly always fit into a certain group 
um, going up, went through like, you know, as most people do as well, like a lot of bullying, a lot of situations like that, getting called out. Um, I was the emo kid in high school. So that singled me out very much so as well. Um, yeah, um, I'd say I was just very unaware of my own feelings. I used to just bottle everything down. Um, distract myself with anything I could um, mainly like music and playing games was probably the top two of my, I guess, escapes from life. Um, I did numerous amount of, amount of different jobs and was satisfied. None of them, some of them lasted a year, some of them two years, some like one job I had for like a couple months. Cause I just hated it. Didn't like being there. So I was just very, I guess lost is probably the most, accurate description of how it was mm. does emo kid troy tie in at all with troy the musician which i've heard very little about <laughs> but so keen to hear about it yep very much so it's all mm. about it tell me about that oh i'd say it's like the exact like i'd say even music turned me that way in a way kind of led me down that path mm. um I remember just being in my room, just watching YouTube videos and I came across a band and like, I had no idea what this type of music was, but like growing up in a way, my brother used to listen to like Biscuit and a bit of like new metal sort of stuff. So I understood that side of things, but not when it came to like full blown, like screaming metal, like metal corn and stuff like that, as a lot of people are very scared of today. <laughs> yeah. So I came across yeah. um, a band on YouTube I can't remember who it was. Um, I was just listening to it. And I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty fucking cool. And then I just started delving into that. Then I started looking and I thought, oh, I like this screaming thing. I might give it a shot. And then from there, I basically just YouTubed every single tutorial video on how to scream. And I spent hours upon hours, a lot of sore throats, a lot of water, a lot of um, uh, lozenges. Just for my throat. <laughs> I, I probably spent a good like oh, six months just practicing, mm-hmm. making sure no one was home when I did it. <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> I remember this one time. This is when I was still living with my brother. I turned the hairdryer on just to practice. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he's like, were you screaming with the hairdryer? And I was like, nah. <laughs> So I'd just do anything I can just to get some practice in. And it was so yeah. funny. Um, Did you have hair at that stage? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So long. you could somewhat justify the uh, the hairdryer sound. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. It was almost up to my shoulders at that point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Regrets looking back on that. Like <laughs> full frontal fringe and everything. But um, leading into the music side of things, there was a local band in my town and I became friends with their drummer and their old uh, vocalist. And I was like, fuck it. I might as well just do a cover of this song. You know, why not? And then I, pr- I think he messaged me like the old vocalist and he's like, he's like, Oh, I'm leaving the band, blah, 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 blah. We're looking for a replacement. You seem like a good fit. And then, um, I went to the drummer's house because that's where they practiced, did like a first, um, I guess, audition. 
they were like really happy with it. I was really happy being with them. And then it just literally just went from there. <laughs> um, we didn't get that big. It was lo- locally known, the mm-hmm. best way to put it. But it was really fun. Like I'd say that's probably one of the highlights of my life so far, just going down that musical route and experiencing all there is to experience inside of the music industry. Like I've made a lot of friends through that as well, which is really beautiful. Mm. Yeah. The music industry industry is sick. Like mm. um, the, the communities that are formed within it and the, yeah. And the connections and friendships. Uh, and I love when someone like yourself, so few people know, or maybe, maybe not, maybe heaps of people know because, you know, around you, but, also at the same time, so few, so few people know that you've had that sort of background and how Mm. deep you went with it. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's similar with me. Like I, the, nobody knows that I'm in a band and, uh, the, the band has met people like, uh, Gary Newman, um, being like in communications with like the, the drummer of ice house that sort of thing so some really yeah some really cool connections made and it can be something that no one really knows about so i Mm. love that um do you do much now oh not too much i just do like sort of my own thing here and there just for fun at home Mm. my spare time but a cool thing is like i don't know if you're of the band tonight alive and if you've heard of them before no so they're basically like best way to put it is they're like the Australian version of Paramore is the best way to describe them. Okay. Like they're like absolutely huge in Australia. And it's cool. Cause like my second show was when, and they came to Melbourne was my second show. So I played with them and it was really awesome to see. Cause like they weren't that big at the time. And then you just seem skyrocket. And I'm like, cool. I played a show with them once. It was really mm. just good to actually see that. It's just like, cool. When, th- when they were a bit smaller and we were a bit smaller, like just that growth through that cycle, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Did you, within mu- music at all, was there any, was there any part of it where you were discovering self mastery within music? Um, to an extent, yeah. With 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 vocals, yeah, hundred percent. Mm. Like I'd try absolutely anything. I've got I've paid for lessons from like some of the biggest vocalists in the world and stuff like that when they tour down some of them do like um a vocal lesson before their show so it's mm-hmm. really cool so i'd go meet up with them it'd be like a 60 minute lesson and just learn tips and tricks off them which is really cool so yeah i'd say to a, to an extent i did go pretty far in trying to learn different avenues within that within that yeah yeah i almost want to give a spoiler but at the same time, I don't want to because this knowing this kind of ruins something for me. Do you, have you seen the show Atypical? Yes. Do you know yeah. much about the the actor of Sam, of the character Sam, about what he does in his everyday life, in his real yeah. life? Oh, man. Should I say it? Oh, do you feel called to? <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just know that it's... No, I'm just going to say it. Anybody who listens to this, I'm sorry. Um, but Sam, in real life, I forget his name. Um, he is a death metal singer. He's a lead singer in a death metal oh, band. Shit. Yeah. Okay. And sick. there's 
and there's videos of him on YouTube and it's just him in like a small little, you've probably seen these sort of environments, but small mm. little garage uh, gig and it's just like everyone on the same, like on the same floor um, and obviously mosh and everything, everyone charging at each other. And then Sam, who you only ever have seen as this kid who has autism <laughs> in atypical is just screaming about death and about hell and stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty, that's cool. It's yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Part of me wishes I never, wishes I never looked him up. <laughs> um, but also it's kind of a cool little fun yeah. factoid. That's cool. That's really cool. <laughs> um, yeah. I ask about self mastery because, well, I would love to hear what your philosophy is on self-mastery now, what that means to you and what it is that you strive for within the definition of self-mastery. I'd say self-mastery is just about understanding yourself on the deepest level and being able to adapt to any sort of change that may come from the external world. It's more, I think self-mastery is just about developing your inner world so you can withstand anything in the outer world. Hmm. I'd say that's probably for me, the most accurate term for self-mastery. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that a bit more? Like for, for people who have never heard of, maybe you could simplify that. Yeah. So it's basically yeah. what I mean by, I guess, inner world is like your thoughts, your beliefs, anything that can impact you on a mental level in a sense, or like being triggered by things, um, having arguments, getting angry, really easy, just that sort of, that sort of side of things on the mental side, just cultivating the strength within that, within your mental state. So that anything that happens to you on the outside world won't actually impact you if that makes sense mm-hmm. so it's like if someone tries to offend you you don't actually get offended because you know within yourself that you're strong enough to deal with that and that's their problem like if they're trying to offend you that's their issue not your issue that's mm-hmm. what i mean by sort of self-mastery so would you say that it comes down to uh very much so the ability to not react and be reactive yeah hmm. yeah that's definitely a big aspect of it yeah, cool. And at this point in your life, what do you feel you're mastering? And in the way that you teach and guide and lead others, what is it that you offer from your own mastery? I'd say the main thing I'd like I guide people on and help people with is just things that I've experienced and things that I've learned about that they are experiencing or could be experiencing in life. For example, I sometimes still have a very, very short temper and can get um, really, really hot headed really quickly. I've learned to cultivate that, bring that down. It's the same with my energy levels. I've learned to, sort of just conserve my energy a little bit more. 
Um, even things when people try and offend me and stuff like that, I've learned through experience and my own processes that ways to combat that. And that's probably the main thing I help people with. It's like just developing that strength in your inner world is probably yeah what I like mm. to help people with the most. What have you found to be the most effective ways? And it could be within your own experience or within your teaching what's been the most effective and powerful ways to manage that manage uh reactivity and possibly anger or a lot of energy that comes out in a way that could be destructive um the main thing i like to keep in mind is a quote um trying to remember it off properly but it's it's about like it's not the things that have set us but it's our judgment on those things so it's like everything that happens to us is very objective it's just if you you have to take it as it is the second you put meaning to it is the second it affects you Mm. so i always keep that in the back of my mind like if someone's yelling at me or if someone's angry at me or if someone's trying to trigger me i'm like cool that's the second i say that i'm being offended is the second i become offended but if i just say if I just, you know, if I just say to myself, cool, they're just, maybe they're very emotional right now, or maybe they've just had some bad news, just coming from the perspective of, I don't know what they're currently going through for them to react that way. So I shouldn't place judgment of that. Mm. So it's just making sure that one, I have to know myself well enough. And they, if they try to offend me, it's most likely going to be something false. So if I'm certain about who I am as a person, I can't get offended. And two, it's just keeping in mind that, like I said, that they may be going through some things, they may believe different things to you and they might get offended that you might be believing something different. And it's just being a bit more, I guess, empathetic with them around that. Mm, That's a great way to put it. That's really, really awesome to hear it like that. And I'll just Mm. kind of add to it. Um, it's very much so the, and this is, this is what you're saying, but kind of just adding to it a bit. It's the, it's remembering that what is a belief, no matter what it is, what is a belief to someone is what's real. It's not just like, Oh, they believe this, but they could easily just see it my way. It's actually the fact that belief, no matter what it is, is a, is reality for someone as opposed yeah. to just yeah uh, so that's really cool the way you put that that's awesome it's real to them exactly yeah <clears throat> that's awesome who's troy the leader who are you as a leader I'd say as a leader, as a leader, I'm the type of person who fully embodies the things I teach and the things I talk about. I believe that as a leader, I mostly focus on being virtuous and just having high morality. Obviously, there are always going to be times where a leader trips and a leader falls. But the most important thing is just getting back up as a leader. And I think that 
for myself, um, looking back on life, you know, I get tripped up so many times. Like I've tripped over, stuffed up many, many times in my life, had many arguments, regardless of trying to become a better person. You're always going to trip up, fall over at some point. But the thing is, as a leader, it's getting back up, realizing the mistakes that you've made and learning from them to move forward. I think that's who I am as a leader is just understanding that I am going to fall. I am going to fail at times, but it's just the important thing is to reflect on it as a leader so that in the future, I'm able to guide people and teach people through my mistakes, how they can pursue life. Mm, Beautiful. That's really, really cool that you mentioned being virtuous and tying that in with embodiment. Um, Mm. I've actually journaled on that exact thing. Was it yesterday morning or or this morning? Yesterday morning, that exact thing. Uh, What is virtue and how is it different to complete embodiment because virtue is like the uh the it's kind of action right being virtuous is doing an action that is uh that is aligned or doing doing good through action would you say yeah yeah um so i'd love to ask you the same question i've journaled on which is what is the difference between action and embodiment I would say the main difference is embodiment is that it becomes a part of you. Mm. So like it becomes a part of your identity is what I think embodiment truly is. So say if um, a real simple example is like, if you go to the gym once, that's an action. Cool. I went to the gym once, but if you embody going to the gym, like your ass is in the gym three, four, five days a week consistently. Or if, you embody health overall. That gym's a part of it, but you're also making sure you're sleeping eight hours a day. You um, eat all the right foods. You're trying to be stressed. I'd say embodiment is action, but it's a part of your identity as well. Mm. That's really cool. So because, yeah, there's there's the action and then embody, embodiment being that end goal. There's obviously before the action, there can sometimes just be talk and there can sometimes just be language about a thing, which is awesome. It's part of that, part of that, uh, that path towards embodiment. What would your advice be to someone who is in just the language phase and they're, they may be stuck saying, I'm going to get into shape or I'm, I'm going to get into the gym, I'm going to start training, I'm going to start eating right. For them to get to the action part, what would your advice be? I'd say the easiest way to do it is to have someone keep you accountable. Hmm. Another way to go about it is, this is what I did sometimes, is I'd literally just either stare myself in the face in the mirror and say that no one else is going to do this for you. The only person who's going to take the action is you. And 
the longer you sit on it, the more time you're wasting doing the action. It's just time wasted, procrastinating and waiting for the perfect moment. But realizing that the perfect moment is never going to be there until you actually take the action. The perfect moment is the moment you actually take the action, not when you wait for a sunny day to come up. Mm. So I think is the best way to go about it is first tell yourself that no one else is going to do the work, but you just realizing that you have to take responsibility for your own life and no one else will. And another way to do it is on top of that is write down like two to three actions you can do per day based around that embodiment that you want to do. So say for example, it's we'll stay on health. Cool. My three actions today are I'm going to drink two liters of water. I'm going to um, exercise for a minimum of 30 minutes, whether that's walking or going to the gym. And I'm going to meditate, meditate to reduce stress or something like that. It's just have clear outcomes that you can do each day or each week and making sure that no matter what, you tick those outcomes off. Because mm. I think what people do, they're like, cool, I'm going to go to the gym. It's like, when? Like they don't, they just say they're going to do it. They don't say when, how, what specifically they're going to do. They just kind of fluff around it. Mm-hmm. So I think getting really specific on those things will just drastically help you with it. Mm. Yeah, there's that piece that's like, it's important to include other senses to it as opposed to just like saying something and hearing it. Like, yeah, that's your auditory, but being able to, if you've written something out, being able to see something visually is is hugely important too. Um, that's, yeah, that's a good, a good piece of advice. I 100% agree there. And if someone is interested in trying the accountability option, what does accountability look like? What could that look like for someone in that situation? I'd say the one thing you can do is literally just ask someone to keep you accountable or ask someone who is also interested in the same thing as you and having that conversation either each day or a message each day and just be like, Hey, I did this, this, and this today. What did you do today? And just making sure you guys are doing the exact same thing together. Mm -hmm. Um, You can even just start a group on Facebook, maybe with a few people who are interested Um, there's like dozens of fitness groups out there now and you can just be like, Hey, I want to be, be kept accountable. And there'll be other people who do the exact same thing. Another thing you can do, um, which could be tough for some people is to do it on your social media. Just be like, Hey guys, I'm going on my first fitness journey. Um, these are my daily outcomes, the weekly outcomes. Each time I miss a day, I'm going to go live and explain why I missed it and take ownership of that and make sure I don't do it the next day. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. That's like such an important thing and such a, a powerful one and something that I believe you provide within your coaching and your guiding as well is, is yeah. having a group of people who um, hold you accountable for your own sake um, and also eliminate that codependency. Um, so yeah, that, that's one thing having that group, but then 
how would you say you can make sure there's no codependency and it's purely accountability? And I, I say that in the sense of you can have someone holding you accountable, but in no way are they tied in with you getting the job done. I'd say on that, it's more like as long as they don't, the person keeping you accountable doesn't, I guess, try to make you do things is probably the most important piece. It's like, cool, you say you missed a day and they're just going to be like, cool, how are you going to do to make up for it? Like, what are you going to do the next day? Like, what's your next step? They'll just ask you the question, but you provide the answer to them rather mm. than they'd be like, oh, come on, just do it, blah, blah, blah. Like, Motivation works to an extent, but the most important thing is like, if you take ownership of your own shit, that makes you a lot more powerful as a person. Mm. What does accountability look like in your coaching? What do you provide with your accountability pieces? Very similar to what I just said. It's like having your outcomes daily um, and then reporting those outcomes daily back. Mm. And if you miss something, there'll just be a question. I'll ask you, it's like, cool. Why did you miss it? How are you going to make up for it tomorrow? Are you going to make sure it's done tomorrow? And it will just be like that little conversation about how you're going to take the action, not how I provide you the answer. Mm. And if there's a point where you need guidance or you're unsure of something, obviously I'll be there for that. But if it's just in a simple accountability piece, then you have to take the ownership and I'll just be there to listen to that ownership. Mm. Yeah, awesome. This kind of ties in because asking questions like this sometimes can be a kick up the ass. So I'm going to ask you this. What is life an opportunity for? I'd say... It's definitely an opportunity for growth within yourself. And it's also an opportunity to experience. It's probably the two main ones. Growth in a sense where you understand yourself a little bit better and then grow yourself in that inner aspect or even physical if you're doing fitness, like you're growing your physical body. You're developing resilience. You're developing ownership. You're developing traits that you want to develop within yourself. You're increasing your values, your belief systems might be changing and you might be changing your identity with that as well. So in that aspect, there's a lot of growth. And then experience is more like if you don't have the balls to do something, you're going to miss out on that experience. <laughs> and then this is what I always visualize. It's like, cool, what would my life look like if I don't take this action right now? Mm. Will, I, will I get to the end of my life and be like, I fucking regret not doing that. Mm. Like, I don't think anyone wants to get to the end of their life and be like, I regret not doing that. And I don't have any more time left. Yeah. That's powerful. So I, think, yeah, I think experience is probably the biggest one. Mm. What else on that? What else for what is life an opportunity for? I'd say I guess to, 
to gain a lot of wisdom as well, which is like try and learn about the world and embody those teachings that you may come across that you might be interested in. Mm. Like for me, again, like if I didn't take the experience of reading the first book I ever picked up, I wouldn't have, I would not even be sitting here right now. I'd just be like your regular old, old Joe, just probably maybe working a trade job or something. I have no idea where I might be if I didn't take the action of developing into wisdom and philosophy a little bit. Mm. I think you'd be getting that wisdom as well. Yep. What was the first book you ever picked up? Um, I'm pretty sure it was 12 Rules for Life. 99% sure by Jordan. That was Peterson. the first one. Wow. That's a, so, yeah. that's a, a strong one to, to go in with. Wow. It took me, it took me a very, 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 very long time to actually finish that book. Mm-hmm. Like, Have you read it again since? Um, yeah. I've read it a second time since then. Yeah. Really, really good book. Biggest takeaways from that book. There was a rule. I forgot what it was exactly, but it's like, take care of yourself as if you were taking care of a fellow friend or something mm. like that. Cause I find that even with myself, like we treat other people, I guess with more care than we treat ourselves sometimes, mm-hmm. especially like when it comes to advice, I think he made like a an analogy with having a pet. He's like, when um, our pets are sick or something's wrong with them, we take them straight to the vet. Um, the bills are no question. Anything that you need to pay for, you'll pay for like that question. But when it comes to yourself and developing yourself and um, taking yourself to the next level, we're just kind of like push back a little bit. So mm. I think that's a really, really good takeaway from it. Probably <laughs> the biggest one. That's sick. I love that. Mm. Where in yeah. your life do you need to apply a bit of, I'll do this with no question. That's cool. I like that. Um, yeah, sick. So that was your first book. What has been, what's your, do you have a favorite book of all time? I'd probably say The Alchemist. Yeah, right. Because it's like, it's, you'll get the exact amount of knowledge from that book that you need. Like if you just read the book as it is, you're like, oh, that's a cool story. But if you start picking lessons from it, like, oh shit, there's a lot of lessons in this. <laughs> yeah. Mm. What does that mean to people who may have never heard that? Like the the whole you'll get exactly uh you'll get yeah, exactly what you need from it. Sorry. You'll get from it exactly what you need. Can you elaborate on that? Cause that's a, that's a big, that's a big thing to be aware of and just like, no, going into to anything really and being comfortable with the outcome being exactly what it is. Um, yeah. Can you speak on that a bit? I'd say the best way to put it is like wherever you're at in life and you read a certain book, like, you're only going to get the lessons from the book that you need in that moment. And if you read that book again in the future and you develop yourself a little bit further, you're going to get different lessons from that same book. So I've read The Alchemist, I think three or four times. And each time I read it, I get something different from that book. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I've never thought about that in that way before. Mm-hmm. I just skimmed over it. 
Like even the last time I read it, he um because he has sheep. I don't know if you have you read it? I haven't gotten all the way through yet. Brianna's still uh yeah. Brianna's still on at the moment, so waiting for her to be done. <laughs> <laughs> so at the start of the book, or like when he goes on his journey, he has to obviously get rid of his flock of sheep, right? And I was I just thought about my car, cool, he just gets rid of his sheep. But I didn't realize that that, that could be your past self. Your, your past environment, your past beliefs, your past values, that in order to grow, you have to, you might have to let go of certain people in your life for you to move forward. And I just never thought about it in that sense before until I read it the last time. And I was like, fuck, that's a mm. really good lesson. Mm. Where has that been relevant for you in life? When have you had to make a decision like that? Um, I'd say at least once a year I have to I wouldn't say have to but I naturally just let go of people in my life I just let people just sort of we just sort of drift apart and I just let it be but it's, it was really cool to just have that lesson put to me as well and I just don't realize that like you know some people just grow apart fair enough like you'll just go down two different roads or you're growing and they don't want to grow in that same way that you grow. So then you just go your separate ways. Again, it's nothing like in a negative sense for like, oh, these people aren't good for me anymore. It's more like, cool, I have to go this way for me to commit to my life and you have to go that way. And it's just cool. Mm. Can you speak more on the letting go of people and why why it's necessary why is it actually necessary to let nature take its course when letting go of people the best way to explain it is the much the much overused quote is you are the average of the five people around you i believe that that is very very true in a certain extent if you allow it to be and most people allow it to be i think that in your environment, you only have room for a certain amount of people to hold to a, to a deep level, like a tight circle. You can only have so many people in that circle. And as you grow, some people in that circle might not align to what you're trying to do. And so you might need to let go of them to allow room for someone else to help you nourish your circle a bit more. So I think that's probably the biggest aspect to it. So say, for example... I've had a lot of friends in the music industry and then obviously I moved into more of the fitness aspect. I would have had to let go of people within that music industry to allow room for fitness. And the same thing with like fitness and then like mindset philosophy. I've had to let go of people in the fitness industry to allow for people around that mindset philosophy development to come in and nourish my circle. Again, it's not like I just stopped talking to them, but I sort of just, not hold them as close to me as I would usually just mm. to allow for someone else to come in instead. Yeah. What are the, what would you say are the defining factors of whether it is or isn't time to let go of a relationship or friendship, whatever that might be 
what are the, what are the questions you need to ask yourself about that particular relationship before knowing whether it is time to let it naturally um, atrophy mm. or whether it's time to nourish it and make the effort to nourish it? What can you ask yourself to know? To me, first off, like, I feel like you'll just know. Like, you'll know deep down, like, cool, this isn't working for some reason. But on another level, it's more like, is this person still aligned to my values? So again, like the fitness thing, like, if I'm no longer interested as fit in, into fitness as much and I'm really involved in developing wisdom and the people around me have no care for that, it's like, cool, probably shouldn't allow for as much room for in my life as I should. Another thing is, is um, are they still supporting you and helping you grow regardless of that? Like if they're, say if you are into again, we'll stick with philosophy or whatever it is. And they're just like, cool, do your own thing. We don't really care, whatever. If they're not helping you grow as a person, then again, it's like, there's no sort of benefit to that. It's like, cool, what are the benefits? And again, you might think to yourself, cool, I can try and get them interested. And you might do that. You mm. might put that effort in for a little bit like maybe this person is actually interested in this sort of thing, but they're just unaware of it. So you can put that effort in, try and I guess help them understand that there's other aspects about life they might be interested in. Mm -hmm. But if not, then that's the point where like, cool, might have to just step back a little bit, let it atrophy. Mm, yeah. Cool. Another, another part that's like a bit of a, a standout indication that your circle or your, yeah environments are changing and or maybe need to be adjusted is in my experience the the people that the figures that we are inspired by and because that can change all the time mm. and that's very much aligned with your environment and where you're at and who you're embodying at any point in life um so in that, my question to you is who currently are figures that you are inspired by and who has been inspiring figures for you in the, in the past when things maybe weren't so, weren't so much, you weren't yet mastering your craft. Um, I'd say at this point in time, one of the biggest ones alive is Tom Clark, hundred percent. I find that like, I relate to him quite a bit. I find that I really inspired to be just like him in my own way. Mm. Um, apart from that, it's, I'd say mainly inspired by just stoic philosophers like Marcus Aurelius is probably the biggest one. Just because as a emperor, like he was the Roman emperor for a very long time, like he was still very, very caring and generous and within himself. And he was very, very still in all of his environments. Like he would go to war and be very still. He would have people try and sabotage his kingdom and be very still. Like he wouldn't let anything external affect him whatsoever. 
and just understanding his story is very inspiring just to live on a daily basis. You know what? I'm going to scratch that second piece, which was who was an inspiring figure because then it's like kind of, it's a, it's a, it's giving, giving someone a bit of shame because it's at a, it was at a place where you, I don't know. I just think, forget it. Never mind the, uh, the previous figures that you were inspired by. Um, to put it quickly, like previous figures were people who are like very, very highly successful business people with a lot of money. Sure. To cut it short. Yeah. Awesome. That's yeah. And there's a whole lot of people that fall under that. So mm. now that's, that's a perfect way to, yeah. to explain that. And why is it that that's such a common that's such a common thing for people to be drawn to before they've done the inner work. Because it's a very, very, very good distraction from yourself. Nice. <laughs> I believe that like you can have all the money in the world, have all the cars, house, cars, cars twice, um, have all the <laughs> things that you want in the world through money. And they think, Oh, that's the best lifestyle ever. I can do whatever I want. But it's like, are you truly doing what you want? Are you truly free from yourself? Because if you think about it, if you have everything, then what? Mm-hmm. Like, I believe that, yes, money is, it's just an exchange of energy. It's just a tool. It's the same with, I believe that anything in the world is neither good or bad. It's just how you actually use those things. But I believe people just, use money just to distract themselves from doing the inner work and being happy with who they are, where they're at right now. Mm. And that's why I think a lot of people fall under that. Mm. In contrast to talking about where you are now, which we've touched on and we will, I want to go back to a time in your life where you've, you've told me you were living overseas for six years Mm. And possibly from that, we will understand quite a bit of deep contrast from growth from then and now. Hmm. Um, where should I begin? I'd say, what year was it? I think I was like nine years old, around that age. Um, living in the house where I am now, in a different bedroom. Um, my whole family was here. And my parents um, had a divorce. They split up. And what happened from there is um, I went with my mom to Malta because all of her personal whole family lives there. Um, so we moved there, um, lived there for six years with um, my grandparents for a little bit until um, she was able to buy a house and we bought a house lived on our own. I went to school there, had to learn a second language somehow, which I did. Um, went through that, went through halfway through high school. And then mom asked me, she's like, oh, I can't remember what she was, why she came to that conclusion, but she's like, oh, do you want to go back and live in Australia? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, fucking yes. Like in a heartbeat. Like, because with that period, like, this is no longer how I think about it now, but I held resentment for that because the way I perceived that whole situation was 
my parents split up and my mom dragged me out and took me to Malta. Like I had no say in it. Like obviously I didn't because I was too young, but my perception was I was forced to go there and live in Malta and just, I was essentially taken away from the rest of my family, like my brothers and my dad. So for a long time, unconsciously, I had a resentment against her, which is why I think I had a lot of arguments and was kind of very, very rebellious in that sense. But now like we've completely cleared that. There's no resentment towards her anymore. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting because I didn't really get to see my brothers that much. And I think I, sp- I barely spoke to my dad in those six years. Like I think I spoke to him maybe once or twice a year, which is really interesting thinking about it now. But I had my brothers, like one of them would visit each year, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, so like my time in Malta was pretty interesting. Like I had to make new friends. Somehow I still got bullied for some reason. I think I was just like an attractor for that. Um, but yeah, so I made new friends. I got to meet my mum's whole side of the family. I do not regret it whatsoever going to Malta. Like there's like... Again, I wouldn't be where I am right now if I did not go to Malta, which is really interesting. Like the more I think about it, the more mind-blowing that is. It's like, cool, I have nev- never would have got to grow with my cousins, never would have to meet my aunties or anything like that. Wouldn't have made friends there or any of the sort, which is really cool. Really good to understand that. Um, yeah, then we came back. Um, I still stayed with mum for a very, very long time until last year, I think, last year, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, yeah, Malta was a very, very fun time. Yeah. I really enjoyed it there. Mm. Beautiful. You mentioned there was a big forgiveness piece there. There's Mm. two things from that. I want to, I want to touch on the forgiveness piece and what that was. And also you would not be where you said you would not be where you are now if it wasn't Mm. for this experience. So those two bits there, can we like, can we touch on those? Um, what specifically about the forgiveness piece? What was that for you? And what did that process look like? Um, so for that for me was like, it was a visualization process that we went through. Again, I had no idea that I was meant to forgive, but that was like, that was the first person that came to mind. Um, it was more just visualizing and having that conversation with like a higher version of herself as of what she would say to me if I asked the question. And it was more just understanding that she was doing what she thought was best for us in that moment. And that was a really, really good understanding. And I think that point was when I was like, cool, I, I get it. Like you were stressed, you were hurt. You had no idea what you're doing and your best thought was to go. She went to her mum. Like as any, anyone, any one of us would have done it. I would have done the same thing. Like if I'd been in a marriage for years and years and years and all of a sudden it ended, the first thing I'd want to do is like go straight to mum and just have that like support from her. So I completely understand from that. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that was probably the biggest part of that forgiveness piece. And that, I, I just want to clarify here and thank you for like, for explaining it and, and going over it. Um, I just think it's really important for people to hear this process and what it looked like, what forgiveness yeah. as a process looked like for you. Um, is it, am I right in saying that it was, there were things around betrayal? Is that what we're talking about? 
Uh, yeah, probably say so. Yeah, probably the most. Uh, in that time when yeah. you were not, yeah. not forgiving anyway, obviously yeah. you know it's it wasn't that now. But mm. is that what? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was for like yeah, just yeah, probably betrayal is the most accurate description. Yeah. Mm. Best way to put it. So I've just taken away from my family. Mm. Yeah. And can you can you elaborate a little bit more on the process? What that felt like, and what you were then able to feel after going through it. Um, when we say process, what are we saying here? Like the visualization, how I felt during that process. Mm. So for me, when her name came up, because the way it went is like you visualize a gem and then gem opens up and the first name that comes up was her name. And I was like, I was very confused at first. I'm like, what? I'm like, what have I got to forgive for? And then it just hit. And I was like, shit. I'm like, I know exactly what this is about. <laughs> and I felt, I felt angry, hurt, and very scared as well, just to face that. Um, then it's more just having that mental dialogue with her, just obviously in my head in the visualization about what happened and just understanding her perspective of it. Um, then we had an embrace, like we hugged it out and then it just felt like, it just felt like a ton of weight just fell from my, like my shoulders. I just felt love in that moment. So it was really, really beautiful. Mm. And now like, whenever I think about it, whenever I see it, there's like no sort of resentment. There's no negative emotion whatsoever. It's all just love, mm. which is really powerful. Beautiful. So that's, that's kind of the, the other piece I was asking about was the growth within that. But mm. I mean, that kind of covers it. Is there anything else growth wise that you can, yeah, that, that you want to say on that that's come from it? How that has led you to so much growth, being able to let go of that. What has it? What does it now mean? It's given me a deeper understanding on understanding other people's perspectives. Mm. Because I understood it, like I'm like cool. Everyone has their own perspective, but now it's more like cool. Their perspective is going to impact all of their actions. Since now understanding that on a deeper level as well. Mm. yeah awesome this this is a really awesome segue to a question that john actually put to us um and first of all do you know how to pronounce john's last name properly i don't want to get it wrong man call a friend who can we say i want to give him a shout out for this awesome question john his last name is sev i think so something like that I think so. I just really don't like butchering people's names. So I think it's John. Visualize Media. Visualize Media. There you go. There's a sick shout out. (laughs) Um, Any media work done that you want done. There you go. Um, But yeah, John, he asked the question, what is your, to you, obviously, what is your view on the world when going for a walk and seeing nature what is your view? What do you take in? Well, when I go for walks, um, I guess I, the main thing I focus on is just stillness. It's just keeping, 
it's just having time to myself and it's just any thoughts that come up for me I'll have that dialogue with myself during those walks any thoughts that come up any ideas that come up I think that going for a walk in nature by yourself no distractions is a very 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 powerful tool um I forgot what book it was it's stillness is the key um by Ryan Holiday often talks about people their best ideas come from when they actually go on walks in nature by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and even uh, the philosopher Seneca talks about it as well. He talks about one of the most powerful things a man can do, a, world or- a well-ordered man can do is be in the presence of his own mind. And I think that being in nature with yourself just develops that relationship with yourself. Mm. And it's just being very, very present in nature. That's beautiful. Mm. What about what you see visually? So that's obviously what your intention is. Stillness, sitting with Mm. self. What is it that you see visually? Because everyone sees something completely different. Different colors stand out. Different sounds stand out. Um, different sensations. It could be wind. It could be, you know, the, the gravel underneath their Mm. feet. What do you see physically? Well, where I walk is a lake. So the most, the main thing I look at is the water. And I'm always interested in how the water is, like whether it's still, whether it's a little bit wavy. That's the main thing I look at. Um, I always, always, always look at the sky as well. And I always Mm. take note of what sort of shapes the cloud are taking and whether there's different types of clouds sort of in one section, always look at the sky. Um, I walk in the morning, so I always watch the sunrise, which is very beautiful as well. Um, In terms of sound, it's generally birds. I always notice birds most out of anything else. Um, In terms of smell, it's more just like fresh air. Like there's no specific scent that comes to me, but it's more just like cool fresh air, like outside fresh air. A real quick question to the listeners. Do you, can you relate to all of these things that Troy sees, feels, hears when you just go out for a walk in nature? Like what, if anything, are you aware of? Um, I think that's a really cool thing. I think that's a cool, a cool question to ask yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. You were throwing out some quotes before and they're sick. I love the way that you can retain such powerful quotes. Do you have a favorite? Yes. Mm. One of my top ones is your mind will take the shape of your most frequent thoughts, something like that. And it's like the human spirit is colored by your thoughts. That's by Marcus Rios. It's I've probably butchered it, but it's in that sense. So basically what it's saying is, whatever you think about the most is the way your mind's going to keep thinking. So if you constantly think about doubt within yourself, you're going to develop the habit within yourself to constantly think of yourself in a negative way. Or if it's the same with like identity, it's like the most thing, the most, the thing you think about the most is the way your identity is going to be formed. If you constantly think, Oh, I'm lazy. I'm unhealthy you're going to be thinking of yourself as a person who is like that rather than if you start to think about, cool, 
I'm in the process of becoming healthy, your mind's going to start thinking about, cool, what ways can I start being healthy? It's all about the self-talk and the thought process about yourself that you take. Mm. Awesome. <laughs> Marcus Aurelius was onto it. Anyone who hasn't mm. checked out that, that work or any of Ryan Holiday's work, that's like mm. his modern, modern day take on, um, on all of these stoic philosophies. But uh, meditations, I'm sure you would also recommend that as a, as a read if, if anyone's wanting to check out um Marx Aurelius his his writings and and his work is yeah truly awesome um yeah sick I'm gonna steal one of Tim Ferriss's questions here which is so that's your favorite quote what if if any of those quotes or otherwise what would you put on a billboard and where I'd say another one by Marcus Aurelius. If you've read Obstacle is the Way, then it's basically this quote. It's the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. Again, by Marcus Aurelius. It's going to be a big billboard. Okay. And yeah. elaborate on that one. <laughs> so especially like this is my own experience as well. Like whenever we come to an obstacle, it's like, cool, give up, turn around, try again later or something like that. When it's like, why don't you just, let's look at this, whatever this obstacle is and what's the way we can work with it or around it? What other, what other routes can we take around this obstacle or is there a way we can go through it? And I find that again, it comes back to growth. It's like, cool. Once you learn how to tackle that, you've grown yourself to another level. Mm. And then there'll be, there's always going to be obstacles in life. Like it doesn't matter who you are, what your situation is, there is going to be obstacles. And turning your back on obstacles isn't going to do anything. Like you're going to be in the exact same position. So the only way to grow through obstacles is to go through them or go around them and work with those obstacles and, to, and grow through it. Hmm. And if you were that's to put it, sorry. I was going to say, that's why it's a very important quote. Mm. And if you were to put it anywhere in particular, where would you put it? Where does it need to be seen? <laughs> Apart from everywhere. <laughs> mm, yeah, apart from um, just everywhere. Yeah. Hmm. It's a good question. Um, I'd probably say anywhere where there's people either wanting to, I guess, grow themselves in a certain way, like um, side of business, for example, or anywhere like inside a gym would be very important. It's just so anywhere where people want to develop themselves, but always pull back from it. Mm. Like a gym would be a perfect one, for example, or even libraries, because there are usually some people trying to grow them, trying to grow their wisdom or trying to work on something at home and using the library just to, you know, huddle on that where no distractions are, something like that. Mm, that's cool. I like that because it could be easy for you to say like, oh, somewhere where people aren't aware. But then at the same time, it's like, what are those unaware people going to do with such a, a powerful message? Um, maybe it's a message yeah. that should be um, like publicized to those who are, 
who are already aware and willing to mm. do do that work. So that's really cool. Yeah. And like with that, like people who are unaware are probably going to be on their phones and just not look at it anyway. Like, yeah. Like, oh, billboard, keep walking. Yeah. For those people, it can be sent sent through a text, an automated text message. Yeah. <laughs> and then Troy's Troy's number. Get in get in touch. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. This is kind of a good uh moving on to the next question, which is what is a message that you would have for all of these listeners and the audience, anybody who listens to this? What's your final final piece or a final message for them? One of them is if you're feeling resistance to something, do it. Mm. That's one. The second one is if something outside of yourself impacts you, you have to look inwards to heal it. Mm. Those are my two messages. That's awesome. Do you have any questions for me? And it's all good if not. Hmm. Tricky one. I feel like I have a question, but I can't think of, it's not coming to mind just yet. That's all right. If you don't, that's fine. Is there anything else that you, you think we should have touched on? Or is there anything else that I should have asked you? Yeah, we can talk about the four virtues of stoicism because I think that's a very, very powerful thing in most people's lives that gets missed by everyone. Shit, yeah, let's do it. So a lot of people talk about, you know, Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, um, understanding that through Ryan Holiday's work, but the four virtues of stoicism are missed very, very often. And they're like, cool, what are the four virtues? And I believe that they are probably some of the most powerful things that you can work towards to make your life significantly better. Now, the first virtue is wisdom. And all that is, is trying to gain knowledge and then take action on that knowledge. And that's even through experience. It's like understanding like reading a book, you see a powerful lesson or a powerful tool you can use and actually implementing that piece of information to grow your wisdom. And that way it sticks with you forever. And then you can teach people and all that sort of stuff. You can become a guide. Second one is temperance. Now that's coming back to like how people um, desire all the money and fame and all that sort of stuff. It's like, cool, don't let that distract you. Like anything like sexual money fame any of that sort of stuff don't let that distract you and it's the same another thing about marcus aurelius is when he was the emperor of rome he was co-emperoring with his brother-in-law and his brother-in-law was the exact opposite of him he liked to just spend all his money do like feasts and all this sort of stuff and um Marcus was the complete opposite. He wanted to dress like a normal person 
throughout the town and stuff like that. And what happens with that is, as you can probably tell, no one knows who Marcus's stepbrother is. Like no one remembers him. No one had respect for him throughout his, his reign. People were friends with him just to have the feasts and all that sort of stuff. But otherwise, like he had nothing to offer to the world except for just hungering for his desires. So I think understanding a story like that is like, cool, don't give in to your desires. It's like understand the important values you want to embody and focus on that. The next one is courage is encouragement. It's just when you are feeling resistance, when you come across an obstacle, have that self-talk with yourself, like encourage yourself to take the action regardless of what it is, like move forward, break through that barrier. And the last one is justice. And that's um, essentially just having high morals. It's just being good to those around you, making sure you're honest. Um, you're not trying to stab people in the back or anything would do anyone wrong. And those are the four virtues of stoicism, which I think are very important. Anybody who's uh, looking for a coach, anybody <laughs> who is uh, loving this and looking for some guidance, um, I hope you took notes. You've you've met your man. Um, that's sick, man. Thank you for for sharing that. Um, that's I feel like this, that's a really cool way to bring it to a close. Um, anybody who does want to see more of your stuff, more of your stuff, or do some work with you, find out what it is that you offer. Where where can people find you? Um, just on my Instagram, everything. I post in relation to that is on Instagram. Um, I also have like a link tree in my bio for anything extra. I've got book recommendations in there and a couple other things that are really cool. That might be helpful as well. Exclusive content. Yeah, exclusive, <laughs> exclusive content. <clears throat> and that's also yeah, where you can send me a message if you have any questions. Like even if it's not coaching, just to have a chat, more than welcome to chat with anyone. Yeah, sick. And final question, what does raw mean to you? For me, raw is being completely open to express yourself for one and to, to take in any sort of, I guess, like knowledge from someone else. It's just being completely open with someone. Mm, beautiful that's awesome i feel like i want to ask just this one last question actually as well um who for those who do feel aligned to you and are really eager to experience working with you what would you say directly to them right now if they're just like hearing this and like yeah, that's, uh, that's feeling aligned for me. This, that's feeling relevant. What do you say directly to them? Um, this comes back to when I was talking about, which we didn't touch on too much, which was about how I wouldn't be in this position if I had not gone to Malta, for example. Mm. It's like, cool, look at the end of your life. What would your life look like if you didn't take this action to, I guess, send me a message. Like, what would you look, what would your life look like? Mm. And then ask yourself, what would my life look like if I do take this action? 
and just compare the two. Like what, what would the journey look like for you if you did take it? What would it look like if you didn't take it? <laughs> and I'll let that sit with you for a bit. <laughs> that's sick um and I, and I look forward to a message <laughs> <laughs> awesome how's that embedded command that's awesome man um in that then anything else that you want to put out there before we wrap this up i'd say that to anyone you have more power than you think you do to do the things that you want to do. That's probably the last, last thing to say. I love it. Troy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being here and taking this time to do this, brother. Um, yeah, that was just freaking awesome. Me. You're really welcome. You're welcome. I'm, I'm so pumped for round two. Um, really keen to see where we are in, I don't know, a few months time and, and do this mm. again and have these deep, beautiful conversations uh, for the audience again. I think it's going to be sick. So, sure. yeah. So thank you to all the listeners. Um, let me know how you, li- how you like this one. This was a bit of a, this is a bit of a, diff- a different one. I'm not going to say how, but I'm feeling that it was different in some really cool ways. So I'd love to hear the feedback on this. Um, absolutely sick to hear your wisdom on all of these awesome pieces. Um, But yeah, until next time, peace. Peace out.